We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 499 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023, a.k.a. 2.2.23, the one-year anniversary of, yes, 2.2.23. The one-year anniversary of the official announcement of Commanders as the new name for the NFL team that started as the Boston Braves, then became the Boston Redskins, then became the Washington Redskins, and then became the Washington football team. Who could forget the high energy, high production value, all-time great way in which the name Commanders was officially announced. In fact, let's go back to February 2nd, 2022, what the team branded as 2.2.22. The Today Show on NBC anchor and Washington fan Craig Melvin, along with Washington interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen, team president Jason Wright, and senior advisor to Jason Doug Williams. All four guys were seated in chairs, on the field, in an empty FedEx field, on a freezing cold day in the nation's capital. Uh, Craig asked Jason a question, and then Jason gave Doug the honors. Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the, uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> we are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington Commanders. That's right. Uh, oh, wow. You didn't waste any time there. There it is. And there it is. Happy 2.2 day. Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. How we doing with the rebrand? Where are we at 
with the rebrand, one year into the rebrand. Well, coming up on the show, a special guest to assess the job that the commanders have done with their rebrand, sports business expert George Perry. He is a professor at George Mason's School of Business. He was the Redskins Vice President of Strategic Marketing from November 2007 to January 2009. Yes, he is a former Skins business executive, and George is going to give us an in-depth, no-holds-barred breakdown of the rebrand, including uh, where the team has gone wrong, uh, why this rebrand has been especially challenging, whether a new owner of the Commander's should drop the name Commanders and ignite another rebrand. Additionally, George is going to address his time working for the Skins, including the truth about our Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder as a marketer. And George is going to talk about whether Dan could have held his ground and not done away with the name Redskins as he did in July 2020. Lots of good stuff on the Commander's rebrand is coming up with sports business expert and again, former Skins business executive, George Perry. Also on the show, next segment, in fact, a tribute to the greatest executive in Washington, D.C. sports history, former Redskins general manager, Bobby Bethard. Uh, He has died at the age of 86. Uh, Terrible news. Uh, Bobby was a class act. I had the chance to interview him a few years ago. He could not have been nicer. And Bobby Bethard was the mastermind of the greatest era in Skins history. He built those great Skins teams of the 1980s. I will pay proper homage to the great Bobby Bethard next segment. Uh, After that, the latest in the commander's offensive coordinator search, including (laughs) something that makes a certain criticism of head coach Rod Rivera this week uh, look even worse. Uh, And later in the show, I'll talk Georgetown basketball. Uh, The Hoyas on Wednesday evening had a hard time scoring points. That's a problem. Uh, Georgetown fell to 6-17 and overall and 1-11 and in the Big East, a 63-53 loss to Creighton at Capital One Arena. Something that I am not talking about on this show is a Wizards game that took place on Wednesday night. Uh, that's because no Wizards game took place on Wednesday night. The Wizards game at the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday night got postponed. As uh, due to severe weather conditions in the Dallas area, the Pistons had been unable to fly back from their game at the Dallas Mavericks on Monday night. Uh, No makeup date for Wiz Pistons was announced. Uh, Next up for the Wizards, who have won a season-best six consecutive games, home to the Portland Trailblazers. Friday night at 7. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Ted Lanfair. On the Capitals, as they now are in the midst of an extended break, Uh, no game until February 11th due to the NHL All-Star break, and then the Caps bye week, writes Ted, the Caps are in imminent danger of falling behind hard-charging teams beneath the Caps and losing their fingernail grip on a playoff position. Help needed stat. While they aren't the creaky old and slow team that doomers and gloomers forecasted, the Caps have no identity this year. Up one game, down two, up six, two out of the next five, etc. The loss of John Carlson has hurt the power play. 
Alex Ovechkin is meandering rather than charging toward Wayne Gretzky's goal record, while Ovi's Russian machine never breaks. Two other Russians should be sent to the scrapyard, gifted skater and noted Lacey Flake. If Genny Kuznetsov is a disgrace, and even with Carlson out of the lineup, Dmitry Orlov is relegated to the second D-line. The Ovi Watch has papered over a lot of gaping flaws in this mushy middle team that could easily slip into the land of the Columbus Blue Jackets if, if something isn't done by this drab team. Thank you for your years of great work and your 500th pod achievement. It is deserved and well-earned. Well, thank you very much for that, Ted. Uh, but gee, my man Ted, quite the harsh critic of the CA. P.S. Caps, caps, caps. Now, Ted does make some valid points. I definitely will acknowledge that. But I also want to make mention of a few things. First of all, you can't properly assess this cap season without acknowledging the extent to which the team has gotten like slaughtered by injury. And yes, some of that is about the team being an older team. But whatever the reasons, this team has played so many games without so many key players. And yet the team is 27, 20, and 6 and is atop the Eastern Conference wildcard standing. So I think that you have to start with that. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, (laughs) I mean, the guy is a winger in his age 37 season, and yet he has a team leading 32 goals and a team leading 54 points. He's third on the team in hits with 134, and he per NHL.com has a five-on-five shot attempt percentage that is above 50%. I'm not saying that Ovi is like the NHL's most well-rounded player, but I mean, (laughs) come on, meandering toward Wayne Gretzky's NHL record for most career regular season goals. I mean, I would not say that at all. Uh, If Genny Kuznetsov can be frustrating, no doubt, but he does lead the team in assists. He has 36 assists. Uh, He could end up having a 60 assist regular season. That's not nothing. Uh, What bothers me with the Caps right now, they do very much lack goal scoring beyond Alex Ovechkin. And I don't like that first round picks like Forward Connor McMichael and defenseman Alexander Alexiev are not bigger contributors at the NHL level by now. Uh, the Caps these days do not have the greatest reputation for developing young talent. And, you know, that's how you get into trouble as a franchise, not doing a good enough job of developing young talent. See the Nationals. But I do think that the Caps deserve a lot of credit for being where they are given the injuries. Uh, email from Rob on his fandom of the team that now, for exactly one year, has been known as the Commanders. Writes Rob, I enjoyed the pod with Joe Theismann, especially his recollections of Super Bowl 17 and the NFC Championship game win over Dallas. Al, I was at that championship game. Uh, yes, Redskins all-time great, Joe Theismann. Uh, he was with me on Monday show, episode 496, with Monday being the 40th anniversary of the Skins' victory in Super Bowl 17. Joe was outstanding. Uh, definitely check out our conversation if you haven't yet heard it. Continues, Rob. I would like to share with you how I became a Redskins fan. I'm anxious to know if any of your listeners had a similar beginning. First of all, I had absolutely no relatives who watched football. My grandfather loved boxing. I remember watching Muhammad Ali on a regular TV. Uh, back then, needless to say, I did not have Xbox or Nintendo, and I was years away from cable TV and the internet. One weekend, while staying with my grandparents, I was flipping through the channels. There were a lot of them. Channel 4, Channel 7, Channel 9, 
and Channel 5 if you move the rabbit ears. I randomly turned on a Redskins game and somehow it took me over. And for some reason, from that day on, I was hooked. I since then probably have not missed watching more than seven regular season games, although that is a greater number than, than the number of episodes of the Al Galdi podcast that I've missed. Well, there you go, Rob. Continues, Rob. Anyway, back to the NFC Championship game for the 1982 season. I was a senior in high school and had never been to a game. One of my high school friend's parents had tickets to the game and I was offered them at face value. I really didn't realize what I was getting. It was a great experience pre-alcohol. Just so jacked for the game. I will never forget the atmosphere. I've been to 25 or so games since then, but not a single one has been like that championship game. It was deafening before the teams took the field. We had the famous chant of, we want Dallas, we want Dallas. I'm so glad that I was a part of that history. I'll never forget that. We were close to the field after the game. We ran onto the field and I pulled up grass and put it in my pocket. <laughs> Not sure what I was going to do with that. Anyway, hope my boys who are 12 and 9 can experience something similar one day. Keep up the good work, Al. We can count on you every morning before 6 talking Washington football. Uh, well, thank you for that email, Rob. I really enjoyed reading that. And I think that Rob's email speaks to something regarding the name of the team, with this being the one-year anniversary of the announcement of the name Commanders. And look, this is just how I feel. This does not speak for everybody. But to me, Rob's email cuts right to the essence of being a fan of a team. Being a fan, to me, isn't truly about owners or team presidents, or general managers, or coaches, or players, or colors, or even the team name. All of those things matter, but they all come and go, to varying degrees, I'll grant you. Being a fan at its core to me is about memories, excitement, and hope. Being a fan to me is about things that you experienced and things that you are wanting to experience with your team. And none of that can ever be taken away. There's a lot about the process that led to the name Redskins going away that still bothers me, okay? Including the apparent lack of interest in finding out how Native Americans truly feel about the name Redskins, and also the hypocrisy from the media and the hypocrisy from companies like FedEx and Nike and Amazon in the whole name change saga. But, you know, at the end of the day, we are talking about a name of a team. That's it, okay? Like, bottom lining it, we are just talking about a name. And I'm not saying that the name doesn't matter, because the name does matter, but at the end of the day, we're talking about a name. Fandom in sports at its core, to me, is about memories, excitement, and hope. And so even something as big as the name change was never going to stop me from being a fan of the team. But I know that there are a lot of people for whom the name change has greatly lessened their fandom, maybe even eradicated their fandom. But as much as I find a number of aspects of the name change <laughs> to be almost comical, okay, I'll never not be a fan of the team, no matter the name, no matter the owner. Does it make me right and others wrong? Okay, I'm just telling you where I'm coming from. Well, if you or someone who you care about is in the right and has been wronged, uh, always know that the law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson 
and NACE. Paulson and NACE. It is dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and NACE at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and NACE that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and NACE handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and NACE is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris NACE and Matt NACE are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Paulson and NACE does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. And this is because Paulson and NACE is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and NACE wins trials. Paulson and NACE has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and NACE. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and NACE and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Yeah, you're obligated to nothing. Call Paulson and NACE at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and NACE that Al Galdi sent you. Schedule a no-obligation appointment by calling 202-902-7611. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and NACE that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and NACE, if you have a case, contact Paulson and NACE. Well, very sad news on Wednesday afternoon. We learned that former Redskins general manager Bobby Bethard had died. Uh, He was 86. He had been battling Alzheimer's disease for years. In fact, when Bobby was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018, he didn't even give an induction speech because his mind already had deteriorated a good bit. Uh, This, by the way, is why people need to be honored not just while they're living, but also while they're able. It was ridiculous that Bobby wasn't elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame until 2018. He should have been elected years earlier. And that he could not give a Hall of Fame induction speech is a shame. Uh, Although we did get a very powerful scene of Joe Gibbs standing side by side with Bobby on the stage in Canton, Ohio. You know, the greatest head coach in not just Skins history, but in Washington, D.C. sports history, standing side by side with the greatest executive in not just Skins history, but Washington, D.C. sports history. Yeah, Bobby Bethard is the greatest executive in D.C. sports history, and there really isn't much of a debate. Uh, He was the Skins general manager from February 1978 until May 1989. He was the architect of the Skins' great teams of the 1980s, among the players who Bobby Bethard drafted for the Skins. Pro Football Hall of Fame receiver Art Monk, Pro Football Hall of Fame guard Russ Grimm, Pro Football Hall of Fame corner Daryl Green, edge defenders Dexter Manley and Charles Mann, linebacker Monty Coleman, quarterback Mark Rippon. Additionally, Bobby signed offensive lineman Joe Jacoby. 
as an undrafted free agent. Uh, Speaking of that, Bobby Beathard's 1981 draft is one of the greatest drafts for a team in NFL history. Listen to what Bobby did for the Skins in the 1981 NFL draft. Uh, First round, offensive lineman Mark May, a significant member of the Hogs. Third round, Pro Football Hall of Fame guard Russ Grimm. Fifth round, edge defender Dexter Manley, the greatest pass rusher in team history. Eighth round, receiver Charlie Brown, who was very good for the Skins in their 1982 Super Bowl championship season and 1983 NFC championship season. Uh, Ninth round, interior defensive lineman Daryl Grant, who along with Dave Butts formed the best interior defensive line duo in team history. Twelfth round, tight end Clint Didier, an effective pass-catching tight end for the Skins, and Bobby signed offensive lineman Joe Jacoby as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, Joe Jacoby may be the best offensive lineman in team history, a guy who absolutely should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Bobby Beathard found that guy as an undrafted free agent. But how about that 1981 draft class? Mark May, Russ Grimm, Dexter Manley, Charles Brown, Daryl Grant, Clint Didier, and Joe Jacoby. Quite the class, all of it, the work of Bobby Beathard. And Bobby wasn't just great for the Skins. He served as a scout for the Kansas City Chiefs and Atlanta Falcons before being named Director of Player Personnel for the Miami Dolphins in 1972. So the famous undefeated and Super Bowl champion 1972 Dolphins, who of course beat the Skins in Super Bowl Seven. of uh, the 72 Dolphins, their director of player personnel was Bobby Beathard. Uh, he also was the general manager of the San Diego Chargers from January 1990 to April 2000. Collectively, Bobby Beathard's teams won 10 division titles, seven league-slash-conference championships, and four Super Bowls. Super Bowls 7 and 8 with the Dolphins, and Super Bowls 17 and 22 with the Skins. Uh, The Commanders on Wednesday evening put out a statement about Bobby Beathard. Uh, Very interestingly, the statement was not attributed to Commanders co-owners and co-CEOs Dan and Tanya Snyder. Uh, Usually, a statement such as this one has been attributed to Dan and Tanya. This statement was not attributed to Dan and Tanya, wasn't attributed to anyone. Uh, That stood out, given, of course, the sale of the team. And while this may not seem like that big of a deal, I do think that this could be another sign that Dan and Tanya are selling majority ownership of the team, that a statement like this wasn't even attributed to them. Uh, read the statement, quote, the Washington commanders mourn the passing of the great Bobby Beathard. Bobby was a man of extraordinary class and integrity and was the architect behind the greatest teams in this organization's history. He cared deeply about everyone he worked with and always put the team first. Bobby is rightfully enshrined in both the Pro Football Hall of Fame and Washington Ring of Fame and will go down as one of the greatest executives in NFL history. We send our heartfelt condolences to his wife, Christine, children, Kurt, Casey, Jeff, and Jamie, along with the entire Beathard family. Bobby's impact on our franchise and community will never be forgotten. End quote. Uh, An outstanding career, a lasting legacy, especially in Washington, D.C. sports. And again, 
that general manager head coach combo, Bobby Bethard and Joe Gibbs. Uh, we as a sports city have never had a better GM head coach combo, and I don't know that we ever will. Well, I early in Wednesday's show, episode 498, talked about Commander's head coach Rod Rivera not attending Senior Bowl week in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, This is Senior Bowl week. A bunch of Commander's executives and coaches and personnel are attending Senior Bowl week, but Rod is not. Uh, Rod is participating in the PGA Tour's AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. And I said that I didn't love this from Ron, but I also said that I was open to a potential good reason from Ron for not attending Senior Bowl week, uh, despite him over three seasons as Washington head coach having yet to have a winning regular season. But something that I didn't even mention on purpose was Ron participating in the PGA Tours AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am being a bad thing because the commanders still don't have an offensive coordinator. Uh, I have seen this as a criticism, (laughs) and it to me is so ridiculous that it wasn't even worth dignifying. The idea that if a head coach doesn't have an offensive coordinator, he should be spending every waking hour searching for an offensive coordinator, as if, you know, you should be looking for your offensive coordinator under trees and behind bushes. I mean, come on, okay? You schedule interviews with offensive coordinator candidates, you conduct those interviews, and you let the process play out. Additionally, you can conduct interviews virtually a lot of coaching interviews now are done virtually. And so the criticism of Ron for golfing in California instead of being at Senior Bowl week in Alabama, that was and is potentially valid, especially considering that other NFL head coaches are attending Senior Bowl week. But the criticism of Ron for golfing because the commanders still don't have an offensive coordinator was and is ridiculous. And that criticism now is even more ridiculous. The commanders on Wednesday afternoon announced that they on Wednesday were interviewing San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach and running backs coach Anthony Lynn for the commander's offensive coordinator job. According to multiple reports, the interview was taking place in California and was being conducted by Ron Rivera in person. (laughs) So... So in fact, Ron golfing in California, Ron golfing in Cali has enhanced the commander's offensive coordinator search, not detracted from it, because Ron being in California was able to conduct an in-person interview of Anthony Lynn. And how about this tweet from Commander's Insider Ben Standig of The Athletic on Wednesday afternoon, quote, the Anthony Lynn interview today occurred in person with one member from the Commander's, Ron Rivera. The coach drove from Pebble Beach to the Bay Area to meet with the 49ers running backs coach, end quote. So Ron with Anthony apparently did a one-on-one interview which may have been an especially good thing because a one-on-one interview can be especially revealing. Look, the commander's offensive coordinator search is taking a while. 
And the expectation now is that the search is going to last for at least another few weeks because the commanders want to interview Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and it's sounding like they may well not interview him until after Super Bowl 57, which isn't until February 12th, uh, if they're even going to get to interview Bieniemy. <laughs> but the idea, the notion, the take that Ron Rivera, old Don Ron, golfing in California, was somehow taking away from the offensive coordinator search. That was always <laughs> a really bad take. And the take now looks even worse. Uh, if you are keeping track, the commanders now have interviewed six people for the team's offensive coordinator vacancy. Uh, former Cleveland Browns and former New York Giants head coach Pat Shermer, commanders quarterbacks coach Ken Zampezi, Atlanta Falcons quarterbacks coach Charles London, Miami Dolphins associate head coach and running backs coach Eric Studisville, uh, Los Angeles Rams assistant head coach and tight ends coach Thomas Brown, and now a San Francisco 49ers assistant head coach and running backs coach Anthony Lynn. Uh, I think that Ron Rivera really wants Eric Bieniemy, and so Ron is willing to let this search go on for a while. But I think that Eric is Ron's top target, and I would be in favor of the commanders hiring him. Uh, you know, we got some really good intel on Eric from NFL insider Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network on Tuesday's show, episode 497. One thing about Eric Bieniemy that is said by people in and around the NFL is that he coaches guys hard. He is demanding. And I like that. I think that the commanders could use that. Uh, hey, if you would like to advertise on the Al Galdi podcast and reach thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area and grow your business or practice at a very affordable price, uh, we have special deals going on right now. Hit us up. See what we can do for you. You can email us, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Up next, we'll welcome on sports business expert and former Redskins business executive George Perry to talk about how the Commander's rebrand is going on this, its one-year anniversary. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, one year ago, February 2nd, 2022, what the NFL team that at the time was known as the Washington football team branded as 2.2.22, that was when the name of the team became Commanders. Uh, A lot has happened (laughs) with the team in the 12 months since then. And so it is on this day, 2.2.23, that we take stock of the rebrand one year in. And joining me right now to assess the rebrand of the Commanders on its one-year anniversary is sports business expert George Perry. Uh, He is a professor at George Mason's School of Business. He has worked for a variety of entities, including the Redskins. Uh, George was the Skins' vice president of strategic marketing from November 2007 to January 2009. He has an MBA in strategic management from one of the top business schools in the world, the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. George, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you? Uh, My pleasure. Doing great. Thanks Thanks for the invite. Thank you for coming on. Uh, You are a professor. Uh, Before we get into the various aspects of the Commander's rebrand, one year in, if you had to give the Commander's a grade for their rebrand, what would that grade be? I'd probably give them a C-. You know, a a good good effort, but um, too many other things going on around it that's not (laughs) not helping matters much. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the comments on the interim report uh, for the Commander's and the job they've done. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, what would you say the commanders have done well in their rebrand and what have they done poorly in their rebrand? I think, I think the people like Jason Wright have good intentions and they've, they've come out and really tried to do this the right way by getting feed fan feedback by, uh, um, you know, taking some time to do the research and implement it and, and kind of be interactive and explain their, their rationale, et cetera. But, um, unfortunately, you know, the execution in a lot of areas hasn't been great. And, um, and then you add all the exterior things that we're probably going to get into, uh, makes no matter, no matter what they did, I had a feeling it wasn't going to go well because there's just, there's just too much toxicity, uh, attached to the organization in general. Yeah, given how despised the owner of the team, Dan Snyder, has been for decades, uh, given all of the controversy with the team, given the team's continued lack of significant on-field success, was there ever a realistic path by which this rebrand could have had a great first 12 months? Like, even if the team had avoided the sloppiness of the last 12 months, might we still be seeing this uh, less than super warm reception for the commander's brand? I think there's really only one way that it can be better received. If, if we were talking about the commanders, 
playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl <laughs> in two weeks. Um, I think everybody, a, lo- a lot more people would have jumped on board for the commanders and, and certainly merchandise sales would be uh, going through the roof and you might even get some fans that are outside of the area. But um, short of that, uh, no, I think I think there's just so much um, animosity towards uh, towards the owner. Uh, there's so much disappointment in the brand because remember, it's the commanders is a name, but the brand is the entire organization. It's everything that goes around it. It's the fan experience. It's the it's the look and the feel. It's the success on the field. And and this brand is damaged, um, and it's damaged because of of the the. It starts with the ownership and everything that's gone around it. And it's not like that slowed down at all. Um, and and you could probably look at you know there was probably a bump, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, of, of brand uh, support when he said he was going to sell the team or potentially sell the team. Um, but of course, the longer that drags on, the the more concerned people get, is that really going to happen? And so you go back to, okay, we're stuck with this team uh, with an owner who doesn't seem to care about the fans uh, or his employees or the community. And, um, and you know what, we're ready for a change. And so, yeah, I don't think unless they, had, you know, were playing for the Super Bowl, they had any chance of having a real successful brand launch, no matter what they had called the team. With the rebranding of a major professional sports team, does the success of the rebrand ultimately just come down to the team winning and everything else is operating within the margins? Or do you think that things other than winning can, in fact, significantly enhance the success of a rebrand of a major pro sports team? I do, and, and I think it's it's dependent on well, first of all, obviously, if it's a new team and a new market, it's a new brand. But if you're changing a brand like this, um, you know, had this started from an organization that really genuinely cared about the fans, genuinely cared about maybe the people that were offended by the previous name, but also understand understood kind of some of the uh, the loyalty people had to the old name, it, they could have turned this into a positive. This could have been like, look, we are moving forward with the times. We are trying to please, you know, a, a part of the community that has been offended by this name and, and maybe, you know, um, turn it into some doing some good for, for, for Native Americans or whatever. If they had somehow figured out how to do that, but they started by having this two to, what, two plus year gap where they had no name. The Washington football team. So already they were starting to kind of fumble. And and then by the time they came around, there was so much anticipation that they had this new brand. So to answer your question, I do believe if the brand itself already and the organization itself had been an organization that people were proud of and happy to be a part of, and they recognized that the, the team was doing this for a good reason um, and that it was going to benefit the fans and the community, I think it could have been positive. But um, you know, obviously winning on the field always helps that. But, uh, but, but when, you, when you were starting from the point where they were starting, it, it was going to be difficult to, to overcome those obstacles. Interesting what you said about the interim name, the Washington football team. Do you think that the team stuck with that name for too long? I do. I, I, think, um, I think that those kind of Washington football team, that works for soccer. You know, European soccer, because they have a long tradition of, you know, just calling it the city or whatever. Um, but but 
we're 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 a a country or a, a brand, a sports brand that likes mascots, likes to get behind uh, uh, some sort of uh, you know iconic image brand, and it it very rarely works to just call it the base, you know, the whatever team. So so I thought that was a missed opportunity. I, I understood maybe one season because this this is a process. This takes time, and they were clearly being pressured by some of their sponsors um, to to make that switch and to, to drop the the old moniker. Um, but so one season maybe you've got this interim tag, but they went for almost two. Se- I think it was two full seasons, and I just I just felt like it was uh, you know just making things more difficult. And so instead of going from one to a second, you're going from one to a second to a third. And then we're probably going to get into if there's a new ownership, do you go with a fourth? So, and I was just going to ask you that: should new ownership of the Commanders ditch the name Commanders and change the name of the team? Is another rebrand a good idea? If the new owner calls you up and says, "Hey, you're a sports business expert. What do you think? Uh, what do you say?" Yeah, I, I would say, and I'm, I'd have to put my business hat on and not my fan hat on <laughs> for my previous when I was a fan. Um, but um, no, my business hand. I, I'd say, look, let's let's uh, let's do the research. Um, let's let's find out. We can't we can't just kind of do this on a whim. We have to understand uh, by going out there and talking to the fans and really understanding what is it that that the, the, the if there's a concern about the brand, is it the actual name, the Commanders, or is it this attachment to? Uh, to to Dan Snyder, and if if it's if it's and then you kind of decide, and you'll get a sense. Um, and the other problem is there's going to be a lot of priorities for the new owner, right? The biggest priority has got to be you know fixing the the the, the, the product on the field. Um, the second priority for this area is going to be to get a new stadium, and so to tackle a whole new branding effort, you know that could be a lot. Um, so I would probably come in and say, "Hey guys, to the fans, we're so excited about this. Everything's on the table with regards to the brand." Um, we want to hear from you. We want to understand what you feel about this brand. Um, and we're going to gather the research and we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to make a decision. In the meantime, we're going to do what we can to make sure that we start winning and make sure that we can start getting a stadium. And ultimately, you know, you got to figure about timing too, because it's, it's, I mean, I just said earlier, you know, you want to do it quickly if you're going to do it, but at the same time, maybe, maybe it's something you do when you get a stadium deal done and, and you launch the stadium or you, you, you enter a new stadium and it's a new, a new era of, of Washington football and you have a new name. But um, I think you got to play it out a little bit um, because it's, it's time consuming, it's expensive um, and, and to, to change a brand, to change everything over to a new brand. And you've already got to consider that you've got a, a, a fan base that is, is basically on the third name in the last four or five years. Do you want to uh, alienate them again and, and force them to buy a whole nother set of jerseys and a whole nother set of T-shirts and hats and things like that? You early in that answer said, when I was a fan. So are you now a former fan of the team? Um, I won't get into detail, but I, I stopped working as a fan after I worked there for, I stopped being a fan when I worked there for 14 months because it was just, even back then, and this was back in 09 or 010, it wasn't an organization uh, that well, I was proud to be a part of. So certainly I wasn't proud to be a fan of it. Wow. Okay. So I take it that the workplace misconduct scandal of the last few years uh, didn't exactly shock you. Not at all. All right. Telling stuff 
from George Perry. Much more with him in moments. He knows sports business. He understands money. Uh, you can get a better handle on where your money is going by downloading the Hiatus app. Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. Hiatus creates a comprehensive view of your bills, your utilities, and your subscriptions. Uh, Hiatus monitors trends, watches for increases in your bills, and alerts you if any rate changes are coming. Also, you with Hiatus can gain access to hands-on money experts who can negotiate your bills down and provide you with financial advice, and you with Hiatus can create custom budgets. If you haven't downloaded the Hiatus app yet, what are you waiting for? Uh, I've downloaded the app and it's great. Download the Hiatus app. You could do so right now from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. There's no cost to downloading the app. Download it. See what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, money saving made easy. More now with Sports business expert George Perry, a professor at George Mason School of Business. He was the Redskins Vice President of Strategic Marketing from November 2007 to January 2009. So as I'm sure you know, there are a lot of people who still are furious over Washington having done away with the name Redskins. We do still have major pro sports teams with names based on Native American imagery, including the NFL's Kansas City Chiefs, whose uh, fans are like constantly shown on television doing the Tomahawk chop and, you know, nobody seems to say anything. Uh, The NHL's Chicago Blackhawks have stood their ground and kept their name. I get that there was a difference with Redskins because it is a dictionary-defined slur, but is there a world in which Dan Snyder in July 2020 could have held firm and not retired the name Redskins? I think he was in a position where he had no choice. And I had, shortly after I left the team, uh, I was interviewed about whether or not he would change the name. And, and I said, look, he won't change the name unless one thing happens, um, if it comes down to money. And that's what happened. Either either the fans have got to say, we're not going to pay for tickets and merchandise as long as it's the Redskins, which that didn't really happen. Or the sponsors have to come in and say, if you don't change the name, we're not going to we're, we're not going to continue to sponsor you. And my understanding is companies like Bank of America and FedEx started putting a lot of pressure on him to do that. And then when you look at kind of what's going on with the rest of society and many of these team names, um, it, it was going to happen at some point. Um, now, as a marketer, you'd like to think you might get ahead of that, see that coming um, and kind of do it ahead of time. So you look like kind of the good guy. Uh, we did this because it's, we think it's the right thing to do. We understand not everybody's going to be happy with it, but this is what we're doing. As, oppo- as opposed to looking like, yeah, I'm, I'm reluctantly doing it because I kind of have to because it's all about the money. There were a lot of trigger points for the name changing. Uh, maybe the biggest one was that statement from FedEx, July 2nd, 2020, quote, we have communicated to the team in Washington our request that they changed the team name, end quote. Uh, FedEx, of course, has had the naming rights to the team stadium for years. And uh, FedEx has, as its founder, Fred Smith, who was a minority owner of the team for decades, but he and two other now former minority owners, Dwight Shaw and Robert Rothman, uh, wound up in a rather bitter dispute with Dan Snyder. And Dan ended up buying them out in 2021. You worked for the team. Do you know the answer to this question? Was Fred Smith truly against the name Redskins, or did he have FedEx put out that statement 
just to stick it to Dan. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, 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 cause I, I didn't spend a lot of time with the minority owners or, um, so we, we could speculate all day. Um, I had not, when I was there a while ago, I had not necessarily heard some sort of rumbling that part of the ownership group wants the name to change. I think pre- people were pretty firm that, you know, this has been around for so many years at the time, if you recall, um, you know, they came out with all of the reasoning, uh, a hundred high schools and, and on Indian reservations were named the Redskins. They had been talking to very native Americans, et cetera, et cetera. So in their view, at least back in two, 2009, when I was there, um, that name was here to stay for a long time. So again, I think the monetary pressure, in my opinion, is probably the biggest reason, uh, why they changed. And there may have been some other things going on with the, the NFL, in the league about their reputation and so on and so forth that, that we don't know about or that I don't know about. Yeah, it's fascinating to think about. If Dan Snyder gets along with his minority partners, then maybe FedEx doesn't put out that statement. And if FedEx doesn't put out that statement, then maybe the name of the team still is Redskins and the commander's rebrand never happens. The domino effect of this Dan Snyder saga really is something. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and all of those things have contributed to, you know, the challenges with the rebrand, um, you know, including the mascot. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is going to the Pro Bowl, believe it or not. I don't, I don't know what that's worth. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, some minor things with the rebrand. What did you make of the actual announcement of the name Commanders one year ago today? Uh, done on the Today Show on NBC. Very low energy, very much lacking in production value. I could not stand the way that the team did the announcement, but what did you think? Yeah, I was, I was definitely underwhelmed by it. Um, and the thing is, you know, the fact that they announced on the today show, clearly they were announcing it to a national audience, but the, again, once again, in a way they're overlooking this local fan base, which is the most important part of it. Right. Um, and, and that's a historic for this team to, to not necessarily focus on the local fans. Um, yeah, you know, but again, it, it, it all goes to, if you're going to do a new brand, you really want to have, you know, all those great football players that played for the team behind it. And, and some of your biggest fans, you know, that people know, whether it's the Hoggets or, you know, whoever getting behind it. And, and you, I think you want to have, you know, events going on at retailers across the, the area with, with the merchandise ready to sell and, and really create some excitement. But, but um, you know, that uh, the Sean Taylor, statue that they unveiled uh the the mascot that they unveiled it's all just kind of this not sure exactly what's going on um and it's not something that i necessarily see from a lot of the, the teams that are known to be to be high quality marketers yeah what do you think that that's about the irony is that dan snyder made his fortune in marketing so in theory that area should be a strength for a team owned by him, but the team has displayed so much sloppiness. I mean, maybe that's more of a reflection of team president Jason Wright and his staff, but of course, they all work for Dan. In my opinion, marketing, first of all, I'm not convinced that the owner is a great marketer. I think he he had some good ideas and he certainly made a lot more money than I'll ever make on him. But, um, but based on my experience when I was there, I was hired as a VP of strategic marketing. I was mostly basically just supporting the sales team. It was all about the sales. 
uh, the sponsorship sales. And, and at the time, we didn't have to worry about as much about ticket sales. So now it's about ticket sales. So I think the focus of the people that are internal there typically are operational folks and sales folks. And you, did, you don't really have a lot of marketing. It's one of the reasons I, I only stayed about 14 months because I wasn't really doing it. I had all, I thought I had some pretty good ideas on marketing, but it wasn't happening. So in my opinion, marketing is not a priority. Um, and certainly I don't know that, you know, I don't know how involved uh, the owner was in all of those launches and stuff. I know he's got a lot, he's been kind of, I think it's his wife now that's supposed to be there day to day and he's, he's off doing other stuff. But um I just don't think that that the marketing part of it is a priority. In, in his mind, the brand was always strong enough. Like there were always season ticket holders waiting, and it's all just a matter of winning, and and these people will come back. So that would be that would be more of an opinion than anything. I just don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about Jason Wright's background from a marketing perspective to to have a firm opinion on that. And I'm not even sure who's in there now. But from what I observed. And in what it seems like, the marketing aspect, really understanding, you know, how to launch a brand, how to launch these different pieces of the brand uh, is kind of a priority and that they necessarily have the best people to execute that. The fact that the name Commanders was not a surprise to basically anybody that in the days and weeks leading up to that formal announcement of the name, it became well known that Commanders would be the name does the lack of the element of surprise matter in a launch of a rebrand? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It, it'd be nice, but we live in a, a day and age where it's really hard to not have things leak um, because you've got, you know, agents, branding agencies that are involved. You've got advertising agencies. You've got the league involved. So at some point, you got to believe that it's going to get leaked. So it's more about kind of trying to manage the message as best they could. Um, you know, by first coming out and saying, Hey, we understand Red Bulls was like number one, but we can't get that, that, that trademark. So we're going to have to move on to something else. Um, in the end, it was going to be more about the execution itself, um, getting out there and, 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 but again, like I said, I don't know what they could have done to, uh, you know, imagine if this were just a different ownership group, um, and there was some success in the field, I think you would have seen a lot more positivity around the brand. One more for you. You mentioned the stadium search, which seemingly has gone dormant, but in theory will be revitalized uh, by the sale of the team if slash when that happens. We know that the team's next stadium being on the RFK stadium site in Washington, D.C. is what most people want. If you are new ownership of the commanders, is the next stadium D.C. or bust? Or could a new stadium in Maryland or Virginia be just fine? Yeah, I, I, I think from a marketing perspective, um, I think if you could get the stadium in D.C., that's going to be your best bet. Um, because I think it gives you, in a weird sort of way, it gives you access to or exposure to a larger audience, I think. So, um, you know, D.C. is kind of this neutral place. You've got people that live and work in D.C., but then you can kind of bring in those Maryland and the Virginia people. Um, I think, you know, with the stadium up where it is now, um, yes, you attract Virginia fans, but it's it's hard. It's a, it's a haul if you're from Virginia to go all the way up there. Um, and I think if you're in Virginia, you're going to get some Maryland fans that you had before that are, but then you maybe pick up some more Virginia fans. So in the end, you know, it's going to be about um, – 
I think it's going to be about access to the stadium. So is there public transportation or is it easy to get in and out of? So that kind of experience. Um, and then the amenities within the stadium itself, what's that game day experience? Because the nice thing about the NFL, it's one game a week uh, or it's eight, eight to 10 games a year. So you're going to have people that might be willing to take their whole Sunday to travel to get there, but the experience is going to be good. And, and so the location is important, but also, the the experience of the stadium itself what amenities does it have uh what's the entertainment like what's the cost etc cetera, etc cetera. and um that's ultimately going to decide because there's enough people in the area that wherever you put it you're going to you're going to attract fans it just feels right though if you're the washington commanders that you're in washington but but you know we'll see what happens the, the owner's going to go any owner's going to go where they get the best the best deal and and make the most money i believe yeah, you would think. Sports business expert George Perry, a professor at George Mason School of Business. He was the Redskins Vice President of Strategic Marketing from November 2007 to January 2009. Great insight, George. Thanks a lot for your time and all the best. My pleasure, Al. Thanks for the invite and anytime. Well, some college basketball for you. Another loss for Georgetown. Uh, the Hoyas fell to 6-17 and 17 overall and 1-11 and 11 in the Big East with a 63-53 loss to Creighton at Capital One Arena on Wednesday evening. Uh, Creighton is not ranked in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, but Creighton is a really good team. Creighton now is the number 11 team in the nation per KenPalm.com. And uh, the Hoyas uh, are not a very good team. Uh, Their offense on Wednesday evening was terrible. The Hoyas scored just 53 points, went just 3 of 11 on threes, and just 20 of 54 on twos, and totaled just six free throw attempts and just nine assists. Uh, The Hoyas in the first half scored just 21 points and went a putrid 7 of 29 on twos. The Hoyas defense actually was pretty good, but the offense was nowhere near good. Uh, The Hoyas did get back a key player. Arizona State transfer Jay Heath was back. He returned from an eight-game absence caused by a left-hand injury. Uh, He played for 19 minutes off the bench, went one of two on threes and two of four on twos, scored seven points. Uh, Two key starters for the Hoyas had rough games. Uh, Duquesne transfer Primo Spears and LSU transfer Brandon Murray. Uh, They went a combined one of five on threes and eight of 27 on twos. Uh, Georgetown did get a pretty good game from the big man. 6'11", Maryland transfer Kudas Wahab, just 26 minutes as a starter, and yet he had 14 points, seven rebounds, and three steals. He went six and nine from the field, all twos, and two of three on free throws. He did have no assists versus two turnovers. Next up for Georgetown, home to number 24, UConn, Saturday at noon. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 500. Uh, this will be a monumental, a seismic spectacle of a show. Uh, or it'll just be a show. I don't know. I can't make too many promises, okay? <laughs> but the show will feature some very good commander's conversation. I can promise you that. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday.
Let's not like make folks wait. Let's not drag it out, Jason. What's the uh, what is the new team name? Doug, what is it? We are the Commanders. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Commanders. The Commanders. The Washington Commanders. That's right. Uh, oh wow! You didn't waste any time there. There it is. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.